Vancouver's Army Field Report. I'm Kyle Carvel, joined as always by Mr. Drew Olson. Drew, how you doing? I'm great, man. Six points in the last awesome. week. How are you? Fantastic, fantastic. And uh, on tonight's show, we're joined by one of the Southland uh, Southland Irregulars members, Alex Tennant. Alex, how you doing? I'm good, guys. Living the dream out there in L.A. Oh. Man, I tell you what, uh, since Sunday, it hasn't been, uh, I've never seen it any better here. <laughs> Let me just point out that I was in San Diego uh, weekend before last, uh, which probably means that I had everything to do with that victory, right? Like, Well, if we're going to talk about nice weather in like Southern California area, let me tell you guys that this past Sunday, it was snowing in Massachusetts. No way. Really? Yeah, 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 we got snow. Holy smokes. And it was cold. It was stupid. I got sunburned last weekend. You're an awful person. <laughs> Just so we're clear. Damn, Massachusetts, man. That place is messed better up. better than frostbite. <laughs> I'm moving True. to PDX the second I can. <laughs> uh, so we have some breaking news to start with, uh, thanks to Alex here which obviously won't be breaking news for anyone listening to this as a podcast, but Alex Morgan just got traded to a team which came into existence yesterday, Orlando. Uh, and Orlando Pride, as they're called. Basically, it looks like the Thorns are probably going to get Megan Klingenberg, uh, some draft picks, and maybe like Pluto or Goofy or something, because it seems like they came away with a lot of uh, Orlando's few assets for a team that just became in existence. The list is we get their first round draft pick, uh, Megan Klingenberg, two international roster spots, and the first allocation spot, which I guess is supposed to be a PSG player who's rumored to be coming to, uh, to the NASL. Uh, not NASL, sorry. Yeah, uh, w. It, and PSG is where Tobin Heath came from Yes. Uh, when we got her. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a highway robbery. I mean, that's... It is. I'd, I mean, I completely understand because Morgan's, like, you know, such a marketable player, and you know, she was on the cover of FIFA this year, and I get how she's gonna put butts in seats, and I understand it's a personal move for her because her husband plays for City, but I mean, uh, we kind of took everything already from Orlando. Yeah, I mean, so. this feels like this feels like trading, you know, David Beckham for Giovinco. You know, it's like a celebrity right? for you know one of the best best players, or at least a series, or, you know, maybe not Giovinco, but, uh, you know, Federico Iguain and his friends. Right. It's, uh, it's like, uh, we gave up Kim Kardashian and we got the cast of Mad Men or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex, what do you make of the whole situation? Well, funnily enough, you mentioned Mad Men. I happen to be sitting in the building that it was shot in right now. Whoa, that's um, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I like the analogy, um, but... Are you, you know, drinking scotch and smoking cigarettes? I, I assume uh, he is. I, 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 well, you can naturally assume that I they, they They exist as, as ever-existing props here, so, um, you know, <laughs> at, that's after we looted the set when they uh, wrapped. But anyway, um, <laughs> aside, um, as far as the trade goes, I mean, you know, aside from, you know, just a smidge of heartbreak, you know, I mean, it's this was not as earth-shattering as finding out that she got married, but um, 
I think from a a team equity standpoint, uh, Portland made out like bandits, man. I, I mean, you know, she really – you could argue she was not really part of the team's attacking core at all last season, uh, having been injured for, what, half the season and then away at the World Cup. Um, really only came on late in the season after they had, had established an identity. Uh, obviously, things stand hopefully to improve, um, you know, with the you know with the the new coaching situation. Um, you know that obviously things are going to get looked at a lot. Usually, when stuff like this happens, in my experience following teams, especially a team that's positioned so well in the league as the Thorns are, uh, is that you know. Everything, every rock is going to get kind of, you know, stones. No stone's going to go unturned here. Klingenberg is a is a is a big time player, in my opinion. Um, no, she is. Who's got a lot of years? Got a lot of years ahead of her. Um, you know, in a position where, you know, uh, quite frankly, you know, I mean, I mean, she'd be an upgrade over pretty much anyone in the world. But I mean, that's a that's an enormous upgrade. Um, you know, on the thorns. Um, so I'm encouraged, um, you know, as long as Gavin knows what to do with the pick in the international slots, you know, um, hopefully he's going to be listening to the experts uh, on that. Um, yeah, he's an avid listener to this podcast, so I think we can rest assured. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, never, I'm never excited about having somebody uh that we have to get from europe because that means we get them for half the season but you know um she's a promising player obviously uh has been uh, you know cast on the right path to, to being a you know elite player so you know we'll see and um you know I, I think that it bodes well for things that we have a coach that has proven has a track record at least now of having coached a women's team and having turned them around. So I'm, I, I think that this is, this is all signals, all good things uh, in the context of the Portland Thorns. Yeah. I hope so. I would just add that uh, the new coach, whose name is escaping me right now. Do you think you guys remember? Uh, I don't, I just know that he's like 29. Oh, he's wow. a real young guy. He's crazy young, and it makes me feel like I'm on the wrong life path. <laughs> like, I'm not doing near, near as cool things as this guy is doing. Well, we poached him from D.C., which uh, I was fortunate to make, uh, to watch a, a few of their games here in D.C. this season, and was pretty impressed. And mm-hmm. the one that mostly stands out to me is the Thorns game. And, and when I say it's here in D.C., it's, a, it's in quotes, because they live 40 minutes outside of D.C., which is a different complaint, but uh, Paul Riley was totally outcoached in that game. It was like a hot, I want to say June or July day, and um, the, the Washington coach who I'm, Mark Mark Parsons. Thank you, Parsons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just totally, totally outcoached Riley. Did a high press. He knew the thorn. That was obviously in the middle of the World Cup or right at the start of it, and um, the thorns were. Just had no depth, and we're you know we were playing amateurs and stuff, and uh, uh, Parsons just did a high press, and it was so hot out, and they just I think the Thorns actually scored first, but uh, Washington ended up running away with it, and uh, I was really impressed by he just basically schooled you know the guy who was basically the runner up, which is hard to believe now, but Riley was you know 
considered by most of the run-up to coaching the national team. So uh, I think this is a really good pickup. And I, I also have some friends that work for uh, the Spirit, and they are really impressed with him, too, and said we got a good pickup. So that is encouraging. Here's the nice thing, because if you think about what we got in this trade, and with a new coach coming in, and this is definitely going to be a rebuilding offseason just because of where the Thorns finished and how we'd, we weren't quite satisfied with what, what the product was on the field. Now we have the, all the tools and devices necessary to completely rebuild the, the vision that Paul, or Parsons wants to. So I think it's, you know, we're going to call it on top. What I hope is that this is a signal from all hands, you know, within the organization, you know, in the public sphere. Uh, anyone that's attached to the community is, is just saying essentially that, you know, us missing the playoffs at any point is, is, is absolutely unacceptable, you yep. know, and, and that's, you know, these moves to me signal a club that is, is actually doing that. Yep. Which can be very bittersweet though, because sure. you hope they don't kind of turn into like one of the European clubs where, you know, four games into the season, you're not playing well and the coach is gone. That's what you don't want to see. Right. Well, well, I mean, this addresses multiple multiple problems, though, right? So we get rid of Morgan, who, you know, who probably put a few butts in seats. I feel like that probably affects... a lot of butts in seats. Especially the way... Well, yeah. Well, I'm saying in Portland. Oh, yeah, in Portland, yeah, okay. I mean, it probably affects Portland less than any other club, I would imagine. But, uh, you know, she probably did have that effect. But, again, she, I think she played... Four, four games or something like that last season. Like it was mm-hmm. not very many, even when she got back from the World Cup. Mm-hmm. But the the major issue that everyone cited last season for their struggles was lack of depth. So not only are you know this is trading one player for you know multiple players, which will hopefully uh, get the Thorns some depth, but it'll just give them more flexibility and they're going to fill in some some holes as well. I mean that said. Depending on who, I don't know much about this PSG player, but they're going to probably need to find a new out-and-out striker. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. They need to find that goal-scoring striker. The, I mean, the fact that she's with PSG probably means, and I, I haven't done full research on her, uh, probably means that she's not available until you know, like mid-season. Um, but the fact that she's already part of the national team program is encouraging and you know again she should be on that on that path that you know you know an elite player should be on she's very young um you know she's uh she's what only i believe only 18 19 right now so she's got years ahead of her which kind of i think follows some of what gavin's thinking tends to be is that you know, he seemed, I'm sorry, she's 21. Um, but Gavin seems to want to be investing in younger players and, and allowing them the opportunity to develop, whether it be the thorns of the timbers. So that kind of fits that model. Um, I never sensed that the thorns needed Morgan's celebrity. No, right. Yeah. At all. You know, um, in fact, if anything, I felt like it was a distraction. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. But here's the thing: you know, she is so good for the league as a whole, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's why going for her going to an expansion team probably is a good idea. Yeah, especially if you because if you look at the attendance that Orlando City is playing at the Citrus Bowl, 
to have a big name like Morgan come down there, it's going to be a good thing for a team in expansion year. Is the Pride playing? I'm assuming the because well? they're owned by City. So I assume they're probably going to occupy the Citrus Bowl for the same amount of time that Orlando does, Orlando City does, and they'll probably move into their own stadium together. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I do see them being the third big club in the league. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Portland, Houston, and Orlando, just because they're each going to be in a soccer-specific stadium. That's a you know an actual like big style stadium. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like the clubs that are tied to their MLS teams do the yes. best. So. Definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, going to some games at Disney World next year. I'm not gonna lie. And, yeah, is Atlanta's getting a women's team as well, right? I have not. Heard if not this, I, I, I read something. I don't know. It may not be this year, but I think they're they're coming up. Just some, just as an LA resident and talking about the soccer community, the uh, the belief and nothing official on this, but is that uh, is that uh, LAFC soon to be LAFC. Uh, may have uh, something to do with that. I, and I'd, I would just assume that being Mia Hamm is part of the ownership group, I would imagine that, you know, that that seems like a very logical um, move for them. But, yeah, no, nothing, not not too much has been out about that at this stage. Um, well, and that's like the major, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, it's Portland, and, Portland and Seattle, and then what's yeah. the next closest team to the West Coast? Like Chicago? I say KC, yeah. Chicago, yeah. Yeah, Casey. I mean, there's you know not a big presence in the West, so you got to think that's the next place that they're gonna go. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's uh, switch things up a little bit. Uh, Alex, how about you tell us a little about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Well, I um, have been in exile. I'm 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 uh, I'm an expat uh, from Portland. I I lived in Portland uh, you know for almost 15 years uh, in the uh, uh, 90s and uh, 2000, the, the, the uh, early 2000s, and um, so of course was there, um, living there when the Timbers reemerged in 2001, and um, you know I played soccer my entire life. It was my game growing up, uh, and of course I, I grew up in the Eugene Springfield area, uh, and of course you know at that point um, was you know not even a semi-pro team in the area. You know, uh, all we had to look forward to was, you know, eventually playing on a city league team, <laughs> um, which is changing now, too. But um, I, you know, naturally gravitated to soccer. I was always struck from the time of living in Portland, uh, how much interest in general, um, even just, you know, the difference being two hours to the north from where I grew up, uh, how much more interest was in the game and have always felt that even when it did not have a, a team identified with the city, it was, was still very much a soccer town. Um, I remember, you know, the, you know, games like the, uh, um, I forget what year it was, but it was a, I think it was a world cup qualifying game against Costa Rica where I'm sitting, I'm living there. I, I was not able to go to the game, but I was able to watch on TV and I was sitting there thinking and, you know, and, you know, Typically, especially at that point, what an American fan would be thinking is like, man, uh, there's a lot of Costa Rican fans there. And then after a while, I realized, no, wait a minute. They're all rooting for the U.S. You you know, and it was – I think I remember it being like one of the first games where they had thunder sticks and whatever, which, of course, I don't think are allowed in 
soccer players <laughs> anymore. But, <laughs> um, but you know, that, that made an impression on me. And, um, you know, when the, um, when the Timbers started up, um, you know, I, I just kind of, you know, first I've always been kind of someone that's, you know, just watched soccer on TV. I hadn't really, you know, um, gone to professional matches ever. And so that was my first exposure to that. And, um, you know, I've always been the type of sports fan that once you give me an opportunity to attend a game, uh, build a, you know, a direct in-person association with the team, I tend to forget all others, you know, and I would say that, you know, the pivotal year for me, I mean, I had seen the interest in the Timbers grow gradually from year to year. Um, you know, and it's always been a cool thing because, and actually I should probably just tell the story of, of how I attended my first match. Um, do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, basically I, you know, I used to work in the restaurant industry and so I had a lot of, you know, work nights and a lot of games I couldn't get to, but when I had a day off, I happened to coincide on a game. I just happened to be walking up near the stadium and, uh, you know, of course in those days, you could uh, stand along the fence on 18th Street and look down to the bowl, and you could see a good, you know, 75, 80% of the of the field. <laughs> so I just thought, oh, okay, well, um, you know, it's, you know, I was, it, you know, the game had already started, and I was like, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just hang out and you know, just have, you know, there's a few people there, and some guy in a, you know, in a backwards baseball cap and 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 you know, uh, ratty tennis shoes come up, came up to me, and he says. Hey man, you want to go to the game? And I was like, uh, first I'm thinking uh, with you. (laughs) And he's like, Oh man, I, uh, I got, I got a ticket. It just, just pulled out this, this, seriously, it was like the the most old looking pulled from the back pocket, uh, or out of his sock looking ticket. Um, and, and just handed it to me. He's like, man, yeah, go enjoy it. I was like, I was like, okay. Just thinking like, okay, this guy's obviously playing a joke on me, you know? Um, but, um, it worked <laughs> and, and I went in and, um, and that was it. I, and I, you know, remember some details about the game. I, I think the, the Timbers, uh, I, for some reason they were, um, I, I don't remember exactly what the, if, whether it was just the USL league rules or it was, uh, maybe not even in the USL at that point. It was like around 2001 or 2002. Um, but we were playing Hampton roads and I remember the, uh, the Timbers scored late in the game to put it into overtime. Um, and they ended up losing on a golden goal, uh, in, um, in, in overtime. But, uh, uh, you know, that was my first experience. Um, and I remember looking over in what's, you know, uh, 107 and, and seeing the, you know, the, the early Timbers army, you know, small group of, you know, about, you know, maybe about 15 guys at that time. I remember they had flags and I was like, Oh, that's cool. You know, somebody beating a drum and, you know, kind of set the rhythm. But man, I mean, between that time and I mean, I just saw it kind of gradually grow um, to the point where I was like, man, this is becoming a party and I got to jump in on this. (laughs) Totally. You know, and, and that's, and that's, I mean, if, if, you know, if that answers the question of why, but that's exactly why I'm a Timbers fan. Is I just got, I just caught the bug. Um, in 2007, I got laid off from my job and got a, a, a pretty decent severance package right in time for the season to start. And I didn't even intend to go to every match that season, but 
I did. I just ended up doing it every single time. <laughs> you know, That's awesome. it, it became, it was like, like just, it was just kind of like, you know, uh, it just came before, well, of course you're going tonight. I'm like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, no, I guess I'll, no, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> to, to like, uh, to like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't miss it for the world, you know. And I think it was even. It's a in, gateway in, drug, in, man. Yeah, it, it totally is. And, and I, you know, and, and the thing is, is that it, it, it was, it was going really strong at that point because I, I remember, um, I think the last game of that season was the first time I'd ever been there. Um, when, when the house was, I mean, it was at capacity. It was full for the season finale there. Um, so, you know, that was a signal of things to come. And the next season, um, you know, I was gearing up to, you know, to be part of it again, but I was also looking for jobs and I saw a Craigslist ad that the, uh, um, the broadcast, the USL Live broadcast crew was hiring, uh, camera guys. And, uh, I had, you know, at that point it was transitioning from the restaurant industry into the film industry and uh, had, all the requisite skills to actually be qualified for that job. Plus uh, the passion for the team, which is actually what the director was looking for. Uh, he wanted a fan um, that could operate cameras. And so it was a perfect fit. And so in 2008, I started working for the Timbers. Nice. And did all the USL live broadcasts. Um, actually, um, I, forgot I was going to actually share this. This is actually a, a video that uh, Timber Jim will occasionally uh, repost uh, around uh, the Seattle matches. But uh, we had um, what was then the final uh, USL match between Portland and Seattle. Um, actually, you can find it on YouTube still. It's uh, the Timbers Army Coffin Saga. Uh, it was a oh, yeah. That we put on the broadcast. Yeah, that's, I produced that video. Nice. That was a Very famous. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that's that's that was my history of the team, and of course, that was also a, a time where um, you know I became somewhat familiar, associated with a gentleman named John Strong, uh, who was covering the the Timbers at that time. So, bit a bit a bit of history, uh, Timbers history that I uh, was uh, very proud and happy to be a part of there. That's awesome, man. That's a that's actually a really cool story. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. What uh, it feels like a not very smooth transition, but uh, so how does that get you to where you are today and bring us up to the game on on Sunday? Well, <laughs> I uh, you know, is uh, you know, kind of reached a point where work had dried up in Portland. Um, this was you know, kind of 2009 where the economy was really bad and uh, had hit the film industry really hard and I was still fairly new in it. So I didn't really have a, I didn't have a safety net and I needed to make a change in my life anyway. I mean, you know, living as great as Oregon is, uh, you know, living in the same state for 35 years is, you know, uh, you know, some, for somebody like me is, you know, requires a change, you know? Um, and so I moved to LA to, you know, pursue work and, you know, and, and all that. But uh, the one thing that always made me homesick was was watching the Timbers matches. You know, um, that was the thing. I was like, man, this is this is what I mean. That that was the only thing really that you know at that point was like, you know, this is this is still calling me back. So you when know, did you move down there? 
I moved at the very end of 2009. So after the 2009 USL season, so there was still one USL Timbers season in 2010. Um, and of so course, you got to watch was, some games on a crappy, a crappy yeah, stream. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to, got to watch those, um, still followed the team and everything. Um, and then when MLS started, um, you know, it was, it was just a given that, uh, uh, you know, I was going to go, uh, when they came down here and interestingly enough, uh, coincidentally enough, the, the same director that had hired me, um, for, uh, the broadcast crew also decided to move to LA <laughs> around that time. So we ended up going to the first Timbers LA galaxy game down here together. And the one thing it's, I I've, I've actually have gradually kind of worked my way and, and made friends with a lot of, um, you know, you know, many galaxy fans and people who cover the galaxy. And, um, but it was a interesting thing that happened that night was, uh, um, the impact that the Timbers arrival had amongst soccer fans, uh, kind of spoke to me that night because, we went to the bar and, and Timber Joe is actually at the game. He's down for the game. And, you know, of course, without his chainsaw, but, you know, he's hanging in the crowd. He actually, uh, his cousin is uh, a member of the uh, Angel City Brigade, uh, one of their fan groups here. Uh, the, mo- the one that's the most like uh, the Timbers Army in terms of how they operate and organize and everything like that. Um, you know, so he was hanging out and, um, you know, this group of guys, the house came and he goes, he goes oh, man. You guys, you're the ones that have the guy with the chainsaw. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> yes, we are, we are, we 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 have the you know Joe with the chainsaw. He's like, I was like, and do you, would you like to meet him? <laughs> so, and you know, if you guys have ever met Joe, you know he's a very humble, mm-hmm. unassuming guy. You know, <laughs> you know he does, he just he, he handles everything with kind of a a a a. a, a a shrug and a wry smile, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, this is cool. It's cool to be me. You know, it's fun, you know? Um, and so he was very gracious, but what ended up happening is one of the guys wanted a piece of Timbers memorabilia so bad that he offered his personalized galaxy Jersey off his back, uh, for (laughs) one of my scarves. Yeah. For one of my scarves. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, I actually traded him, uh, actually the the scarf I traded him was the Western front scarf, which I got at the, uh, the press conference when they announced the MLS, uh, timbers. So, um, I was able to do that. And, and now it's like, you know, for example, um, I have, uh, something that let's say I want to come, not saying I do this kind of thing, but let's say I would want to come to, you know, an LA galaxy game when they play, Oh, I don't know, Seattle, and uh, <laughs> root against Seattle. Um, you know, I have the, uh, you know, uh, at least the, the garb to go along with, with, uh, you know, oh, sure. shenanigans like that. <laughs> so, um, totally. so it's a, it's a bit of fun. It's a, that I get to have, uh, you know, with all of that. And, um, to be honest, the, the fans here, the hardcore fans here, uh, are very complimentary of us. They, they, they tend to like us. They've always been very welcoming and, uh, you know, they always want us to, drink with them and hang out with them and party with them. Um, um, they were not quite so open arms this last week as you, you could imagine, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, 
completely understandable from their standpoint. So, <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, real quickly, uh, it sounds like you've been to a couple, but uh, run through the uh, Timbers away games that you've uh, attended. Well, they they've all been in LA. Um, I I have not yet. Um, you know, done the, done, done the globe trotting that, that many of, uh, my friends that, you know, I've, I've made, you know, over the last couple of years, um, uh, do, but, um, yeah, the, the first one always stands out, of course, because of the, mainly because of the scarf Jersey swap, but also it just being the first, uh-huh. um, other memorable ones. Oh, I don't know. There's, um, 2000 and well actually no this was uh last year uh it was the last time we played Chivas I believe in LA where we were literally a third of the crowd in the stadium. Oh, yeah. That's which... right that was the <laughs> lowest attended game in MLS history I was reading yeah. about it recently yeah 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 and so that that one stands out uh it was the first time uh, I remember being able to um because uh, I'd actually had to miss the uh, the the one the season before we beat them five zero, um, but uh, that one I'll, I'll always remember. It was the attendance thing, but it was also Audi's first game with the Timbers. Oh, interesting. Yeah, brace, yeah. that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and he came come came comes right out and scores a brace right in front of us, um, and it was the first time we got to utilize really truly utilize um wouldn't say it's the first time we sang this in la because uh, we had had the lead on the galaxy before but um it, it the first time we actually really with with confidence were able to say our house in the middle of la so or carson as it were you know okay. so um you know that was that was particularly memorable um you know uh you know Having uh, you know a shuttle down uh, that was going between the stadium and uh, this was in I think it was 2012. Uh, they, they had uh, like the full term. Like, like if you want to talk about like you know I mean people like Sean Levy were down for the game and stuff like that. And you know they had the shuttle, the whole full deluxe deal. Everyone was staying in Redondo Beach, and I had literally just like said, "Oh man, I just jumped on a on a on a bus." from where I live to, to join up with these people. And it ended up being like a, like a two day excursion where I, I crashed with people in Redondo beach and hung out there. And I don't know there was this whole trek journey of me coming back from the beach, you know, and nothing but the shirt that I'd worn the night before. And, you know, crazily enough, <laughs> running, awesome. running into Rob stone at the Metro station. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he said, he's like, Hey, tough loss last night <laughs> i was like <laughs> what because I, 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 I had just been at a because there's down at redondo beach there's this great I, I the name escapes me right now but there's this great uh soccer bar that's down on the water there uh near the hotels and uh you know i'd gone in there to just kind of you know greet the day and and you know of course the epl is on and He's in the studio covering it. So it was a bit of a mind trip to have like say, okay, wait, weren't you just shooting? Weren't you just like doing all this live? <laughs> you know, and, and he's already there, you know, at work, you know, with his kids trying to figure out how to navigate the, 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 the train system. That was, you know, that was particularly memorable. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I gotta be honest, uh, 
Sunday, this last Sunday, has topped everything that came before it. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, um, so let's get into know. the game then. Uh, Timbers won. It's a pretty, uh, pretty sweet victory. Our second win in a row. We did win uh, one nothing at uh, at Salt Lake. It was kind of the uh, the resurgence of the Timbers, if you will. We changed the formation up to an inverted triangle, 4-3-3, with uh, D.O. Char sitting as the defensive midfielder. Which, God, that's working so amazingly now, isn't it? I think it's more of a 4-1-4-1, but yeah. Well, yeah. sure, yeah. Uh, you're arguing I mean, now. let's be real, though. It didn't It didn't really work all that well against RSL. Yeah, but that was like, the first time. I mean, I, I liked that. I saw a lot more potential from that than I have from our 4-2-3-1. Then I, I mean... Yeah, I saw good things, and that was the first time we played that at altitude. So I mean, I'm like, yeah, Diego Chara is just like that dude is the most underrated player in MLS. Just the last couple of games he's played have just been incredible. The, he's doing alone what it used to take him and Will Johnson, or I don't know if it took them both, but they were both playing you know that kind of position, and he's just yeah. been a wrecking crew in front of the in front of the back four, and it's really catalyzed. Um, the attack, even when they haven't been able to finish. So now accelerate that a few days, and the Timbers go into LA and win five to two. I mean, I didn't think it was going to happen. No one thought this was going to happen. And the first half was more of the same. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the crazy thing is we did this in like thirty minutes. We scored five goals in thirty uh, minutes. That is insane. It, but I think the best part about it is we got what we wanted all season in the second to last game. We got production from the midfield. I mean, it wasn't just Adi's grace, but it was, you know, Chara. I mean, it was Chara with his head. That was awesome. It was so, Nagby and Rudy. I mean, there was multiple people yeah. getting on the score sheet. So, Alex, take us through this this game and this day from your perspective. You know, if there were... Yeah, <laughs> just give it to us. Yeah, it was it was it was a hell of a day. I got I got to be honest. Uh, you know, the, it all started. The of course the excitement of of it was, you know, the fact when we found out that we were going to take axe photos, and that right. Joseph these had, are the ones where yeah, yeah. like everybody has is their Facebook photo right now. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Go for me on Facebook. You can see mine. But <laughs> um, um, but you know, so many of us, of course, you know seeing these taken and especially for an expat i mean like i'd even considered flying in uh to do this uh during the preseason uh but you know then finding out how long people had been waiting in line for that you know um one it's great opportunity for all of us that haven't had a chance to do that because you guys would be surprised how many timbers fans in the expat community have actually never lived in portland uh you're talking to <laughs> Kyle, right now. Oh, so. you're one of them. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I'm okay, from Massachusetts. Had... Yeah. So wait, but 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 you have you have no association with Portland or no history of being in Portland or. I have minimal. I've visited Portland minimal. a handful okay. of times. My fiance went to college out there, and um. Okay. Her dad was in the Air Force, but uh, he met his best friend out there, so we've gone out there a couple times to visit them, and you know. It just it, the city captures everything about me. So cool. Yeah, no, I yep. mean you'd be in Go good company tempers. here. You'd be in good company here at Southland of regulars. <laughs> you know, um, 
they kind of look to me as the expert on Portland. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so that was obviously great. And I think that, you know, if, if I may be superstitious and I'm known as a, a bit of a superstitious fan, uh, not a completely superstitious fan, but a little bit, I, I, I do look for omens. I, I think that was one very good omen for the day. Um, another one from an angle that's a little more personal to me, um, Funnily enough, this coincided with um, a visit of a, a very uh, old, uh, really my best friend um, that uh, of my life that's in L.A. right now and uh, for the month. And from Portland originally, teaches at the University of Akron currently. That's cool. Go Zips. Exactly. And his friend that he had from Akron, who is also now in – uh, the LA area um, came with us just to soak it up. Uh, happened to be an RSL fan, <laughs> so there's an interesting alignment there. I think with you know kind of the recent Timbers run and and you know uh, kind of the personal configuration of the support we have there. At least from my standpoint, that these were all kind of kind of mounting up to be good omens for me, and so. While I didn't necessarily have great expectations, in fact, I, I've been just expressing monumental amounts of dread from the fact that, you know, we're in a position where we had to go to L.A. and get points. I mean, I mean it should critical. be taken away that L.A. is such a good home team. Like, they've been known to absolutely dismantle other teams. So there well, wasn't a lot of, I like, was, logic well, for us to be hopeful. Well, well, including us earlier in the season, and I was at that and exactly. felt felt the just the 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 the, the total demolition of uh, everything that I hold dear with the Timbers that night, and this was such an incredible vindication. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. The feeling from the first half was very much, hey, this is more of the same. Um, you know, not seeing a change. Many of us afterwards were. Of course, in joyful shock, but one of the things we kept saying over and over was, who was that team that came out in the second half? Yeah. Who who were they? I mean, going into uh, halftime, the fact that we were down a goal, I was like, we can come back and get a draw. We can totally get a draw out of this. Exactly. And well, and they, I had that thought, yeah. like, even after Audi scored uh, that first one, I was I was like, wow, that was, you know, it was an incredible counter. I think it was a counterattack, and yeah. you know, Nagby had a sweet layoff, and it was just a great run from Valeri, and Milano laid yeah. it off. Everything went right on that play, and I was like, and that was like in the seventieth minute, sixty fifth, yeah, I think it's sixty fifth, yeah. And instantly, my thought was, oh, we scored too early. Now yeah. we're gonna pack it in. <laughs> exactly. And I, I was, they're gonna I was come saying, back. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying exactly the same thing to the guys next to me. I go, we're in a bunker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we we did. Like, it's the crazy thing. Like yeah. then Milano drops the penalty, and it, I'm like, we are, we're we're up in LA. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was I think it was Audi that drew the penalty, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah it was taken out right by Gargan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the yeah, way. I, well, um, Visitor section, perfect view for all of this. I mean, it's just so where where are you guys situated? It's it's in the uh, if you know the stadium at all, if you have by visual reference, there's a there's a covered end and there's an open end. Um, 
and actually the, the cover goes three-fourths around. There's just a section at the end where they have like a, a, a grass mount and then the, um, sort of the the main like uh, Angel City Brigade supporters area um, just below it in the stands. Uh, and that part is uncovered. We're on the corner uh, – visitors are on the corner um, like the south uh, – the southwest corner um, yeah. of that end. Um, and so, uh, you know – looking like just straight at the attacking area there like you're just parallel to it beautiful yeah so what not better seats in the house to watch all of this go down i mean you know it, it was just like you know we could see the you know the on Audi's penalty we were just like oh god that's so obvious <laughs> you know? yeah so obvious but i can't even describe the shock of watching Chara score on a header. I don't. When I watch that on TV, and I'm like, "That's Chara. He's so short. That's so awesome." <laughs> Way to go, little man! Because yeah. he got up. Like he actually got up yeah. pretty high. For like, I didn't know he had that kind of like vertical jump. Yeah, Alexi Loss was tripping on the yep. on the broadcast. He's like, "Look how high he is!" <laughs> oh, awesome and perfect form on that header. Yeah. Oh yeah, get the full. Maximum, I mean, because it was just kind of a soft little cross, but he got some power on it. Oh, he did. Then, you know, Keane comes back, and it gets to 2-3, and then Nagby's like, no, fuck you guys. I loved it. That was, to me, the most beautiful moment of the whole day. It was, because you could still hear the announcer saying, you know, goal scored by Robbie Keane, and then Nagby puts it in the net. Well, what they do there is the PA announcer will say the player's first name and the and the crowd on call and response will respond with the player's last name and they were right in the middle of the final Robbie Keane um, when Nagby got into the box and in fact nice. what the way it played out was is that they start to go Keane and then they see what's happening and they're like Keane no! <laughs> I was like, Ricketts, what are you doing out there, buddy? Right? <laughs> out, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> but uh, seeing Nagby and, you know, that was, uh, this I think, may have been the thing. Because, of course, you know, it came out, um, was it yesterday or the day before, that, uh, that, that Klinsman had contacted Porter about uh, Nagby. And that play just – he must have seen how he just completely blew by Omar Gonzalez. He made him look pretty like, foolish. Yeah. And so, you know, that that to me was the sweetest moment of the day. Uh, well, and you knew he – I mean, you could tell that he knew exactly what Ricketts was going to do because, you know, Ricketts is not as mobile as he – was 10 no. years ago. Oh, no. Plus the oh, Timbers are also familiar with Ricketts. Well, exactly. I mean, you know Nagby's had that play against him a million times in practice, and so well, he just takes a little dribble tell to the right. With the penalty that Adi took, that Ricketts guessed right, and Adi got pretty lucky to actually make that in. That was a terrible he, PK. He did, yep. yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it, yeah it, it was terrible from a placement standpoint, but uh, it was actually uh, a very low-driven ball that had a lot of spin and dip on it. So from that standpoint, which is basically why it scored, 
um because it had a depth and it dipped right i mean you could argue that Adi was familiar with uh ricketts's gap in his uh <laughs> in his reach because yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah dope. i mean if it had it been if it had been further right towards there. the corner it would have been saved yeah. or if it had been further towards the center it would have been saved so yeah yeah still a terrible pk but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. it seems that in this formation nagby seems to do a lot better as well like even though like, yeah. he, he just seems to be a lot more comfortable in a central midfield role as opposed to being out wide because even when he was out wide, his tendency was to lay the ball off and cut in. But when he doesn't mm-hmm. have to do that, and he can actually be in and around the box, you know, it, it just highlights all the strength so much better. Well, and he's such a good passer that the nice thing about him being in the middle is that now he has the option to, you know, go to his right to Valeri, or he's got Wallace down the side to his yes. left, um, or he can kick it straight up to Audi. And so, you know, he's kind of got one more option and he's such a good dribbler that you never know which way he's going to go. So it just gives him one more, one more asset there. And the perfect example is the first goal, really, is because he did that sweet yes. uh, back hill layoff um, that really catalyzed that. But the whole, nice thing too is also run. if you notice, him and Valeri will switch. They will move to each other's sides, yeah. which is it's amazing because they're both very good playing on either side if they need to. It, it, it's you know it's a lot more freedom and creativity between two people that can be very creative and hold the ball. Yeah, and and the only reason they can do that is because Diego Chara is just a wrecking ball yeah. back there, um, and so if he can keep that keep that up, then I mean, you got to think that they're going to do really well. Yeah, I think with Nagby, it also gives him just more space to use his gifts. You know, um, I feel like with the double pivot, sometimes the, the the midfield had a tendency to get very crowded, congested, and that and. Just from the nature of having, you know, the extra central midfielder in there, there was more of a defensive crowd, and and Nagby has a tendency to draw two, sometimes even three defenders. Um, with that arrangement, it seems like he is actually gets more open spaces in front of him, which is, of course, what opens the game up to his strengths. Yeah, absolutely. I would just throw in one. Well, we haven't really talked about the defense at all yet. Um, <laughs> Viafania had an incredible game. I think he's, you know, silently been one of the best players on the team this year. I, I don't know if I would say best, but I would say he's been one of the most consistent. Without a doubt. I mean, I would I would say he's, you know, Borchers is probably the best defender on the team. But Viafania's ability to get forward, send in accurate crosses, hint, hint, Elvis Powell, and also get back. And, you know, he's he's horrific on set pieces for the most part. But other than that, there's not really a hole in his game. Like, he's nowhere near the best in MLS at any particular skill, but he's above average in most things. And there really aren't that many good outside defenders in MLS. So the fact that he can be above average uh, means he's probably a top top ten, um, maybe top five outside back in the league. Uh, yeah. So, and apparently this is the first time he said two assists in a game in his career, and that last one was just dirty, where he just oh, it scooped it over Leonardo, who was just basically a log. It's just like hopped right over him. Yeah. Oh God, man. That was pretty. I- I, oh, I, I well, that was on about... pins and needles when when he did that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, that was when it was like the you know ninetieth minute, and I was like, wait a minute, he's like, what are you doing? Because Leonardo started that slide tackle like ten feet away. It was, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Viafania read it like Silly. a book, and I was like, is this happening again? <laughs> and I was I actually you, mad because, yeah. Well, I was mad because I think it was maybe Wallace was on the back post and wide open, mm-hmm. and I almost got mad at a Rudy because he kind of poached it. I'm not even sure the pass was to a Rudy. Uh, but uh, he just snuck it in and went near a post, and oh. obviously, it's beautiful. We but could have a healthy it. debate about that, but hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. The goal's a goal. Hey, the goal's a goal. Is a goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Taylor Pay, though. Oh. Because what? I've heard some controversy that people think that, you know, he's not going to replace Powell. And I'm not convinced he's going to replace Powell either, but I can definitely guarantee there's no competition for that spot. I well, think Pay is still developing, and what you've seen from his small sample size has been very positive. He, yes, he did play kind of shitty against Philadelphia. That was his first start. But the way he's come up against L.A., I mean, how can you be like, well, you can't ignore that. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a better defender straight up from what we've seen than uh, than Powell, although I was at the Philadelphia game. He started that one too, right? And that was... <laughs> Oh, God, that was bad. But uh, he's definitely shown – he's improved in this season. Like, we've seen that from – I remember when he was playing CONCACAF Champions League games last season and just looked out of his – you know, was going against terrible, you know, Central American competition and looked at overwhelmed. And to, to be able to put out this performance like he did this weekend says, you know, a lot about how much he's matured. I think Powell is the starter – probably deserves to remain the starter. You know, they were this time six months ago, half a year ago, we were talking about how Powell is, you know, one of the most, and he still probably is one of the most promising young, young players on the team. He's still super young. I think he's younger than Pay, isn't he? Powell? You may be by yes, Powell's he is. like 21. Yeah. He may be 22. Yeah. yeah. So I think Pay is 24. Is he that yeah, old? He, wow. Yeah, he played yeah. full... He played four years in college, I think. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. The ceiling for Powell, I think, is much higher. It's so frustrating to watch Powell play. But the thing with Powell is that he's got – he just needs to learn. If he can, if he can learn how to cross the ball and well, not just dribble, like, 40 feet in front of him every time he touches the ball. Like, if he can, if he can learn how to trap the ball and cross the ball, which are things you can learn – then he has the potential to be an incredibly good player. But here's the thing. It's not just that. Because he he actually has bad giveaways that are outside of crossing. Pay can keep the ball. If you want to have possession, pay is what you want at this yeah. time. I mean, not going, you know, Powell can definitely said he can improve. He, he probably still will improve. But, uh, I mean, the reason why I think Powell has been an issue for us because he has given the ball away. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, again, I don't think Pay is going to take the spot from him. I do think there's going to be competition. Like, and at the yeah. minimum, you have depth. And depth is something we do need at that position too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the real advantage. Like, I don't think Powell needs to worry about his job necessarily, but the, I would say until this week, I would have said the major weakness for the Timbers was depth in our defense because we got Paparato, who's filled in admirably. Uh, I, 
but really, you know, Johnderson has been horrific. Pay hadn't we hadn't had much to go on. So the fact that we know he can fill in and uh, he he put in a very Jack Jewsbury esque performance. You know, just like kind of a yeah, workhorse. Wasn't going to stand out. Wasn't going to make any huge plays. But uh, you know, he he was slow and steady. And uh, so to know with that that we have that kind of depth, I, I think is is very comforting, and that maybe that gives Gavin and Caleb a little, you know, confidence that they don't necessarily need to to go pick up another outside back in the off season. They can you know put that money towards something else. A question for you guys: What yeah. happens to Will Johnson? Do we keep him? Because I, I, I don't see him staying. I have a really hard time I, I, I if 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 you're putting me in the decision making spot, I, I I think he goes. I do. I mean I, I think we Johnson. Can, I think we mm-hmm. I'm I'm a big yeah. Johnson fan he's I love his personality and I know he does have like that like scruffy or scrappy, you know, grit to him. But I don't think he can play anywhere near as good as he can anymore. I don't think he's going to come back to 100%. And I don't... If, if you can have Diego Chara play that position and keep playing that position at the level he's playing, you don't need another defensive midfielder. And especially when we have a guy like... like if you want to throw in a you know, true number six, we have a guy like Jack Dewsbury who can play a number six. What's the score? Well, see Everyone, there's a quick update. Colorado is beating Sporting Kansas City 2 to nothing. At Sporting Park. Whoa. Um, this is wonderful Whoa. because that means September's actually have a either closer chance to get the number two spot. Wow. Drew, what the hell is happening? I don't know, man. I just got a motor in my phone. Yeah. So, I mean, that's I gotta, obviously I, I, very I helpful. I MLS, MLS Lab guys here. <laughs> <laughs> that's just crazy. Um, yeah. Drew, so, can you so that helps. Drew, will you edit this? Oh, you put it, is that, is this real life over. gift in there? This yeah, is crazy. No, that's, pretty, that's pretty much a final score. I yeah, mean, it's 90th minute right now. 90 that's, plus two right now. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Good job, wow. Colorado. Now fuck wow. up next week. <laughs> uh, so that that's actually kind of a good segue if we're ready to move on from the game. Uh, so uh, theoretically, the Timbers can finish anywhere between second and seventh. Uh, seventh and second will both be difficult. Uh, so if they don't make the playoffs, then we're going to look like idiots right now. But, uh, what do you, who do you guys want to, well, let's start with this. If, assuming the Timbers don't get this, the, uh, second, the second seed, which according to American Soccer Analysis, my favorite website on the internet, uh, they have a 12% chance of getting the, the two seed right now. So now, is that for, which you know, Sporting Kansas City winning this past game, this game tonight? That is not, that does not include this result. So I would imagine that'll uptick. Not yeah. a lot though, cause it, a cause, bit. uh, well, Sporting was at, yeah, you're right. Sporting was at about 25% before that. So I would imagine the Timbers will jump, maybe double that. So they'll probably be about 25%. Which isn't terrible. It's not terrible at all. No. Yeah. No, absolutely. One in, one in four. So, but assuming the Timbers don't get a first round bye, uh, who do you guys want to play in the playoffs? Uh, Kyle, you want to start with that? I would love to play Seattle, to be honest with you. I just think that Clint Dempsey is not producing the way he has been. He's, he's definitely on a little bit of a downward. He seems to be 
tired again. He seems to kind of have that slump like he did last year coming back from the World Cup. I if we can play them at home, I wouldn't be uh I wouldn't be sorry. I'd be pretty happy about that. Uh, there's a shot we also play KC at home, and that's actually what I don't want. I don't want to play KC because our track record at KC at home is not good. I mean, they they might be our RSL this year. From you know what we they've beaten us and we haven't scored against them this year. That's and you know Vancouver. It's interesting because the two Cascadia teams who smoked us in Cascadia Cup this year are both kind of in tailspins right now. You you said it about Dempsey. Vancouver has also just been on a, yeah. on a slide. Uh, Vancouver still scares me, although you know any backline that's led by Pa Cobb, <laughs> I just well, I just want yeah yeah. And they get yeah. and and honestly they get my vote. Um, they get my vote. I actually am on record here. Uh, um, having said, I, uh, Sean Stefan, uh, who writes for uh, LA Galaxy Confidential, is, is one of my friends down there. And oh, I'm uh, buddies with he, Sean. Are you? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah. No, we've uh, recently become friends, and and uh, um, they write some really great articles over there. Um, we get some great conversations. But I've, I'm on record with him. I got. I told him, mark my words. Vancouver will not be making conference finals, regardless of where they finish. Um, yeah. I just think they're the kind of team. I, I think part of their whatever it is, I, I even think it's somewhat part of their club DNA um, is that they do have a tendency to fizzle at the wrong times. Um, now, we also have seen this from Seattle too. So I mean, all that's under advisement. I, I'm still not completely comfortable with us facing Seattle. I mean, as good as our track record is in the playoffs against them, um, and really, I thought we were, for the most part, unlucky against them um, much of the time in, in during the regular season ma- matchups, um, at, at least the league matchups. Obviously, the U.S. Open Cup's a totally different thing, but um, you know, I getting either one of the Cascadia teams at home, I think is the best case scenario. Um, if I had to choose, uh, I would choose Vancouver, um, simply because they don't, they just, they seem to be in a weaker, perhaps a more fragile state than Seattle, even, you know, just given all the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, Seattle's made a lot of signings and they have, they have a lot of talent. Um, and not that Vancouver doesn't, but I, I, Vancouver just seems younger, less seasoned, less battle tested. Yeah. And uh, now, do either of you think San Jose sneaks into the playoffs? Well, <laughs> funny, funny you ask that because I just pulled this up. So if so, we so we beat Colorado. Vancouver loses to Houston. Seattle loses to RSL. San Jose beats Dallas, and the Galaxy draw Sporting. Then the Timbers get the two seed, and Seattle does not make the playoffs. That's so cool. That's so cool. So obviously a lot has to go right, but that would obviously be the ideal. Now, what do either of you think about playing San Jose? Let's say you know we're hosting and we're playing San Jose. What do you? How do you feel about that? I love that. Yeah, me too. Do you? Because I don't. I don't ever count Dom Kinnear out. Dom Kinnear has a track record of doing very well. 
yeah, he's a really good coach, especially down the, the stretch. You know, all those Houston teams seem, seem to always turn it on in the second half of the season, just as this San Jose team has. I mean, they were near the bottom of the table halfway through the season. Yes, they were. Um, and they've really mm-hmm. turned it around. That said, we've had some success against them this year, and I'm taking Diego Chara against Chris Wondolowski every day. Nah. It's true. Also, yeah. the weird thing is, like, we haven't seen this new formation against a lot of teams, so we don't really know how it's going to play out. But I, I'm, I'm confident to put it up against almost any team, and at least you know have relative success. To me, it's a little weird, and I actually haven't watched San Jose much recently. But, um, you know, they have Wondolowski playing awfully deep in midfield, which is would not seem to be He's playing more of an, his uh, most productive. Yeah. Yeah, and even at times it even sometimes. yeah, at times even seems more like an attacking mid. It's it's odd. I feel like we have an edge on them. Where it comes from, I couldn't tell you precisely. I I just felt sure. in the matchups this year um, that we've had an edge. I thought we were very unlucky not to win that last match. Um, you know, uh, blame the turf at a at a via. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but. Um, they are still dangerous and uh you know they they may they might concern me a little more than uh than vancouver would um for sure but i I still feel like we have an edge especially if we got them at home very fair all right so uh we're gonna win against colorado right guys right well here's the thing and people that are not aware of this diego valeri got issued a mystery yellow card in the la game and he will not be playing yeah. Yeah. So None of us noticed that at all. I, it's got to be Fochive, right? I think we're going back. I think maybe Nanchoff. Double no. pivot, you think? Do you really do you really want to put the defensive player in for Valeri when you kind of need that attacking presence? I don't think you're going to get Nanchoff. Nanchoff has played like six minutes this season. I don't. I don't first think. First what do you got to lose against Colorado? Your entire season. If they lose, they 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 just beat Sporting at home two to zero. So that's not the norm. Colorado has not scored. I know if they put up two against KC, that's fine. But you don't want to play defensively against Colorado. You need to go at them because their defense will hold. There's a likely shot we might get a draw against Colorado. They're, they have the defensive capabilities to do that. If you don't go at them and try to get a goal early and set the tempo as high, you might be setting yourself up for a draw. I'm not sure if Fochide I still say – I don't think it's Fochide. Maybe you want Espria I don't think – yeah, I don't think they get – yeah, I, I think Espria is more likely to me than uh, than Nanchoff. Certainly more than Nanchoff. But I would also say that for T. I don't think uh, – why would you go back to the double pivot at this point? Exactly. You know? Well, I mean, I would say, I would say the drop off for Nanchoff is too much, and that I don't think Porter's yeah. going to start a player that has played. He's literally played like ten minutes this season. I want to say, Nanchoff. Um, I think Esprit is more likely, but that would obviously mean someone. I mean, he's probably going to be on the wing, so I would imagine that maybe Milano would drop into Valeri's spot in that situation. Perhaps. Uh, or even maybe. It's like, I know it sounds oh. kind of weird, but would he play some of that, you know, reserved striker position? Because he's used to playing that. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's where it gets weird, right? Because I, I think Espria is the logical next. I mean, he's the best player available to come in next, but it just doesn't. There's no natural fit. There's no. There's one Valeri on this team. Uh, well, here's the thing: mm. the backup for Valeri is Nagby. And Nagby's right. Nagby yeah. slotting into Valeri, who put, who's back, who backs up Nagby. Exactly, and that's why I think it's Fochive. Um. I just don't think you want to go defensive. I mean, unless you push him really high to win the ball in the attacking half. Which, you know, it's a possible, you know, it's not out of the ordinary, but maybe you maybe you switch it. Maybe you have Chara go farther forward. So he wins the ball in the attacking half, and you let Fushibi play as a number six. I could see that. That would be the most conservative approach. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like everyone um, playing in a position they're familiar with. Then, yeah. who, then does Powell start, or do you play Pay again? Powell's going to start. You think so? Yeah. I would be shocked. To me, that's a complete to- coin, coin toss, sorry. It is. I don't think so. I mean, I think I think we need Powell for the offense, or at least offense, Caleb Porter thinks he, he needs him for the offense. I would I would probably second that. Uh, I think with I Pay, think you might you want get, Pay for possession. You get I mean, more you tactical, the- and yeah. We're gonna, But Colorado's going to give us possession. They never that's win true. possession. That's true. That's true. very true. So I, I think it'll be Powell. Colorado, I mean, apparently this sporting game aside, Colorado doesn't have a great attack. So I, I think you'll see Espria and Powell get up the sides quite a bit, and uh, Porters and Ridgewell will, you know, oh, have Here's another thought. Chirac, do you Chara maybe right let your Rudy start? Yeah, but... Or do you want hit... Because and also I just want to go back. Touch Where on do you put him? Well, I don't, I have no idea. But I want to go back to this. <laughs> Play a four I, one four 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 I one fe- four. Yeah, I don't know. How you, I four feel, five. Yeah, it's it gets messy. Well, Milano, you figure could drop back into the midfield. Yeah. But you know, um, and him make a Rudy the second forward. I guess that's a yeah four one. Three, two, whatever that is. <laughs> you sound like Jurgen Klinsmann right now, trying yeah. to put people <laughs> in the wrong positions. But I want to say this though: I think the LA game was the first time we saw that one-two punch from Adi and Yerudi, when Adi really kind of took a physical toll on the defenders, and then Yerudi kind of set them like just completely out of sorts for the speed and pace. Oh, they've been doing that all year though, right? Like I not as two years mm. now. I, not this year. Not anywhere near as much this year. But I feel anyways, like it just hasn't lined up that way this year at all, no. I said, yeah, I thought the first time was uh, for the L.A. game. But uh, you guys want to do predictions for Colorado? Yeah. Drew, how about you start us off? Um, I'm going to say 0-0. Zero, zero. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> no doubt. Are you trying to you know, have your expectations low so when they win you're so happy? No, I just this Colorado result scares me. And uh we stink at home. Remember guys, you only went on the road now. So I I'm ho- I I don't know. Yeah, no, L- the body of evidence the body of evidence says that we will struggle to score against good defensive teams. And Colorado's a good defensive team. That's, you know, thirty five minutes aside we just are not good at scoring goals. So, and, and but then, luckily, again, neither is Colorado. I but I, I, see your, I see your point, Drew, and I can understand. But with this new formation, 
do you think we can do something different? I mean, maybe we can produce more out of the midfield with this new... Like I said, I, I don't think Porter will go with the new formation. I think we're back to the, the double. Uh, even if we don't, I, I think playing Milano out of position... Like, Milano is well, not a creator, go... I don't think. I don't. I think he's shown that he's... If he is, he's not ready to do that yet. He's shown some flashes, but I think he's more natural as the, the you know, out on the wing. So even if they do put him in the middle and bring in a Spria or a Rudy, I just, that's, those aren't natural, that's not his natural position. I'm so now I don't see more him convinced that what there. you were saying, when they bring in Foshive, yeah. is now more likely, because I think they'll play him as a number six, and when Diego Char plays an attacking midfield, they're higher up. That way you yeah. can keep it as the inverted diamond, and everyone can still play their position. I still think Nagby gets us too many set pieces, and I think we, uh, I, I actually got us winning uh, 2-0. I'm going to agree with that, too, Zero. I hope you guys are right. Yeah, me too. All right. It's going to call it a night for us. All right, Chance. Alex, thank you very much for coming on. appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Do you have a Twitter or anything else you want to plug here? Uh, Well, uh, check out the Southland Regulars page uh, on Facebook and Twitter if you want to see all the Axe photos from uh, Sunday. Um, there were some real good ones. Um, check those out. Um, I'm don't use Twitter a lot myself, but you can find me on Facebook, Alex Tennant. Uh, I do post a lot about soccer in general. Um, you know, interesting, humorous, whatever. Uh, I like to engage in a lot of uh, banter. Um, you know, uh, if you want to chat with me in, you know, either like a Cascadian footy review or, uh, uh, the MLS fans united, uh, lots of Cascadia folks in that, uh, lots of, you know, good discussions, lots of interesting, um, perspectives on you know, what's going on in general. Uh, and of course, lots of smack talk between Cascadian fans, which is always fun. Um, but yeah, um, check all that stuff out on Facebook and, um, you know, you'll find me. Awesome. And uh, you can tweet at us at, uh, at TA Field Report if you've got anything to say about the show, and you can leave us a rating on iTunes. That would be awesome. Will do. Alex, you guys have a great evening. You as well. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, we'll see you in the playoffs. Go Timbers. RCTID. You can hear it on the radio.